We love lashes and have a passion to see our industry grow and thrive. In our podcast, we will discuss ideas, explore trends, share secrets, debunk myths, and encourage one another. I'm your host, Paul Lubers, and I'm the general manager at Integrity Lash in Pasadena, California. Welcome to LashCast. As always, we have a great show for all of you today. I'm surrounded by my amazing last trolls of Christina Segura and Tusney Lubers. Mm-hmm. And today, unfortunately, we're missing Erica. Erica is on assignment. How about that? That sounds very official. Uh, so how are you guys both doing today? How's your last week been going? Great. <laughs> Fantastic. Great. It, it's Monday. So it's- yeah, it's Monday. It's early, right? Yeah. One day down, five to four to go, <laughs> or five to go, depending on your work week. Um, well, today we have a topic that I think we've been thinking about a lot lately. And as as I know for Tusty and I, since you know we run and own Integrity Lash, I think we're always trying to find ways to grow our business and make it attractive for employees who want to be there, grow their careers, both personally and professionally. But there's a big push, I'd say, in our industry. In fact, I think most people do work for themselves. And there's probably a lot of people, I think, always wondering, is it always greener on the other side of the fence? We have people who probably work for themselves who think, well, maybe it'd be better if I worked in a salon, maybe I'd be busier. And there's people who work in salons who are like, I think I should go work for myself. In fact, I'd, I'd venture to say a lot of people who are working for themselves are working in salons are always thinking, well, maybe I should work for myself. And while I'm talking about it, <laughs> I'm watching Christina Tusney. I don't know if you guys are Instagramming each other right now in front of me. I'm trying to figure out the ugliest picture I can take of Chris. Okay, great. (laughs) Awesome. Taking ugly photos of each other while I'm jammering on here. Uh, But anyhow, that said, we will move into this topic and get into it. Like, what are the pros and cons of working for yourself versus the pros and cons of working with a team? Because there's no wrong answer here. This is really a lot about personal taste. So we just thought we'd explore that one today. So maybe, Chris, you want to start? What do you think about both of those? I can speak from both avenues, I guess. I joined Integrity because I was lonely. So a big thing about it is, you know, just not being lonely and having somebody to bounce ideas off of and and all that stuff. I mean, I know we're going to get deeper into this really quickly, but that was my main reason for for searching and looking for somebody to kind of latch onto and get more info from. And so, I mean, that's really where I want to start that is just having the community. Well, I Mm. see it's like I've had the privilege to get to know you for years. And it's Mm. like the more I get to know you, the more I can appreciate how you're wired. And one of them is like, you are such a people person. I mean, if anyone knows Chris, I mean, she's just the life of the party and always has this great energy. And so it's like for you, you you totally feed off of other people. Mm -hmm. And having that is super important. Like I remember you saying that when you first came, it was just a lonely thing. For me, you know, I, I kind of liked working by myself. Because for four years, I mean, when we when Terry Lash started in 2006, yeah. you for oh, maybe three and a half years yeah. worked with no one. You just yeah. were by yourself working, happy as a clam. But you have to understand, I mean, that's how I'm wired, too. When we talk about, like, renewing yourself or feeling refreshed, whereas Chris goes to people and needs people to kind of feel energized, I need solitude. I'm just like, I need to decompress. And so working by myself wasn't as agonizing. The parts that did get agonizing and it did hit a tipping point later was having a lot of business, getting too busy to fill all the requests, working a lot. But the biggest reason why I recognized that I needed help was the business side of it. I had the lashes nailed, but even, you know, batching out the credit cards, I mean, you pointed out 
there were many times that people would write a tip in it, but I wouldn't even add the tip in correctly. I wouldn't. And oh my gosh. I was losing <laughs> I so much money that. and I yeah, didn't even back. know. I didn't even. Back in the days. Oh my gosh. I would be so bad about like things like deposits and it's like. We'd lose money. Oh, completely all the time because I am just not business minded like that. And so it got to a point where it was completely out of control and I absolutely needed help. And that was the tipping point. Yeah. And we had a couple tipping points because mm-hmm. we first you hired what was we thought was a, a good friend. She didn't turn out to be quite the good friend. She meant well, but I don't think she really was suited for the role. Yeah. And then the second person we hired was not a good friend. She stole $5,000 in cash from the company. And that's when you basically came to me and said, okay, I've tried this and I can't seem to find anyone to manage or help me manage. And I really need you to come join us. And that's when I kind of said goodbye to my little world of Hollywood and came over and joined the beauty world, which was actually much more fun than I realized. I thought it was going to be a temporary stay, but it's been really, really fun working right. with you. Anyhow, but yes, we you got overwhelmed with the business side, and that's what brought me along to help right. you. But I think for you, when you're individually working for yourself, you weren't you know aware of any of that. You never thought about right. business. And as you were sharing this, I was thinking that one of the things that I didn't realize when I started the business, I didn't realize all the things that I didn't know. And one of the things that I didn't know was how to vet people, how to hire good people. I thought, you know, if you're nice to everybody, you're just nice, you're going to attract that kind of thing. I also made the mistake of not being able to discern if somebody's going to be a good employee or not. I didn't have any experience with hiring. And so the way I related to people was friendship. You know, oh, this person's a great friend. Like I know this person is a client and they're fantastic. Therefore, they will be a good team member. And what I had to realize was just because someone you have a great relationship with a friendship doesn't necessarily translate they're going to have the same values as you do and it changes the relationship specifically friendships and Mm -hmm. even family and I didn't know those things at the time so I made a lot of costly mistakes you know remember you mentioned the person that uh, unfortunately stole I look back at that and I think you know somebody asked me why did you trust this person what did you do And I said, oh, well, I just said you're in charge of all the finances. And I went down to the bank with her, signed everything over, (laughs) you know, so she had my whole everything. Right. And I'm thinking, oh, because she's nice and I trust her. Right. I didn't even know what I didn't know. And I felt like a complete fool. You just you did what? You, You didn't even call any references. You know, that's pretty embarrassing. It's like, you know, anyway. Live and learn. Well, Live and learn. I mean, I guess for people listening there who are considering maybe hiring the first person or like, should I go and work with somebody or, you know, like what made you decide that you needed to hire? I mean, I know you said you were busy, but was it a conscious decision? You're like, oh, I'm going to be an owner now. Like, It was just a matter of necessity. I thought, you know, I hired somebody to manage the books. I hired somebody to do the marketing. But I realized, and I thought that they would just be able to read my mind and do everything that I expected them to do. With no guidance or anything. They just do their job. When you hire someone for a job, they're supposed to innately know what that job is and be able to do it. What a poor model of leadership. Because then I think to myself, why isn't this getting done? And thinking, did I tell them to do that? You know, I couldn't even see my own shortcomings. I just thought they should be able to do it. And then I realized, then in frustration, when stuff wasn't getting done, I thought to myself, like a martyr, 
well, if you want to do something right, you just have to do it yourself. And I'm just going to work 18, 24 hours. I'm, I'll show them. I'll sh- you know, I'll do it. I can, you know, I'll, I'll fall on we my We still sword. struggle with that day at times, I, I, I think. As Christine, I think, it's real quiet right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think no, you're no. the same way, though, too, right? Yeah. I'm going to do this. I've got, you know, the determination, right? Maybe not... The smarts. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about me not having the smarts. Well, I know for you, um, hiring, it, because this is back in the 2006, 2007, not a lot of lash salons in Southern California. We really were a, kind of a unicorn. Yeah. I mean, you would tell people about what you did, and people would just look at you and have no idea. I would share right. with friends. My wife, yeah, this is what she does. And they'd be like, who would want that? I mean, mm-hmm. there was just no understanding. So you basically, out of necessity, because you were building a fan base, you mm-hmm. eventually said, well, the natural thing is to hire a second person. And I know my dad, he pulled me aside and says, okay, you guys are about to enter a whole different world. It's one thing to work for yourself. Or Tustin's just doing her little thing, da-da-da-da-da. It's very easy, pretty low stress. But, man, your world completely turns upside down when you hire that first employee because you're now responsible for other people's well-being. It's one thing to just care for yourself. I can take care of myself. Most of us feel very self-sufficient. But to say that I'm now going to take care of myself and I'm not, I'm responsible for that person. I remember a friend of ours once says he, his wife ran a little shop. She's the last one to get paid. Mm -hmm. Like everyone else gets paid and then the owner gets paid. Mm -hmm. And I remember I kind of said, well, if you run it right, you won't have that problem. We learned pretty quick after we got employees that you're right. We do get paid last. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to shortchange an employee. I'm not going to mm-hmm. make them say, sorry, you're going to have to go a week late on your paycheck. I get to go a week late. It comes out yeah, of my skin. I, yeah. I, I don't pay myself. In fact, there, you know, we've had some times where I went a long times without being paid because as employers, you have to care for your team first. That is the utmost importance because you won't have a team if you don't do that. How long ago did you scale? Because like I came in and I, I mean, for those of you guys that don't know, we, we're a um, team-based pay company and it's a different structure. Yeah. Than, than um, commission. Right. So like I'm a W-2 and I was the first employee to be hired as that, like knowing it wasn't part of the switch or anything. So like when did you guys start to scale? Like you had one person and then when were you like, oh, I need two people. And then when were you like, oh man, this is a bad idea. Like, <laughs> well, I started out 80 square feet. I thought I died and gone to heaven, but I look back now and it's like a complete little cracker box. It was so tiny. I moved to a slightly larger space suite or office. It was 150 square feet. Oh my gosh. That's when I hired my first helper and we put two beds in there divided by a curtain. Yeah. A loose curtain that you could see through. It was just like, it was so like, (laughs) you know, just trying to make it work. And I took the plunge. I, I went from that 150 square feet to 1,500. At the time, I knew that I didn't have enough to cover the rent, so I had a couple of subletters. See, this is before I knew how to do business, and it was all based upon... But you didn't know then, and that was bliss, right? I mean, because you wouldn't, might not have done it otherwise if you had known... Right. I think so. I think that you... in some ways it was bliss. And I think, oh, what's the big deal? It's like, I can do this. I've got the determination. It's just like I was saying before, I know that I'm going to sweat, blood, sweat, and tears until I get this thing done because I knew I had determination. I didn't have the any inkling of what that meant or what kind of sacrifice that was going to take. Yeah, we spent all our savings. We had like twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 that all disappeared into the company. Yeah. And then we borrowed money from my dad yeah. and had to pay him back with interest to build out other parts of the company. So, you know, it wasn't just a few thousand dollars open a little salon. I mean... 
It was probably 60000 plus. But you know what? That was cheap. We didn't even know that, though. No, we didn't know. I you, mean, so you rented the place, and then we realized we didn't right. have the money, and then we went to... That's exactly <laughs> what happened. We started to realize we can't even do what we want to do, so we had to go get money. But I want to say that that's how I did it. I thought to myself, can I do this? Uh, I feels like I can. I think I want to. I know I have the determination, but I didn't... Which we, is what a lot of our people yeah. listening to yeah. are feeling right now. Right. I would look at the money in the bank and think, oh, well, there's there's enough there, but not quite understand that that money isn't all mine. I mean, there's stuff that Bill's got to go to. I just did to. not have that understanding. I mean, so now, hindsight being 2020, what would you tell somebody who's like in exactly that situation and turns this podcast on? Like, Good question. I'm going to bounce that off to Paul. Oh, wow. Thank you. <laughs> I think, actually, this is where I'm going to give a shout out to someone, a friend of ours that we've gotten to know recently, and we really like her a lot. She brought up a good point about this. And who's that? Her name is Tara Walsh. You might know her if you follow on Instagram as The Lashpreneur. She has basically a consulting business to help lash professionals mm-hmm. with running their businesses. So I highly recommend you follow her, um, get to know her. She puts a lot of good tips on her Instagram feed. Yeah. It will really help you. She kind of mentioned to me that a lot of people, the reason why they get into when they start thinking about hiring, and this is anecdotal, I'm sure. I'm, I don't think there's any, been any studies on this, but is they do it so they can work less. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I know. I've been working really hard. I got my business going. I got, you know, let's say 20, 30, 40 mm-hmm. clients a week. I'm just slammed. I know I'm going to hire someone and then I can finally, you know, sleep and I'll finally pull back and all that. It's like the furthest thing from the truth. What well, can I share with you? That's yeah. actually one of the novice thoughts that I thought. I think I thought to myself, I need to be making money when I'm not there. How can I be making money when, yeah, I'm when you're not sleeping at the salon, right? On the weekends so I can do and I had the wrong idea about business. It's like I'm gonna hire these people so they can work while I'm not here. Totally I mean, not this, the right. Yeah, not right, but at the same time there is some truth to that. Right. Of course. Mm-hmm. Like right now, well it's Monday night, but normally we're open from like seven AM to eleven o'clock at night. So we're not at the salon anymore all sixteen, eighteen hours that we're open. So it is generating revenue, but we're not really necessarily making money because it's paying for lots of other things that we have going on. I mean, we're now 3,000 square feet. Our rent is almost $9,000 a month. So, I mean, we have some big bills we have to pay. And if we're not generating that revenue, we're not going to be around very long. So, but I think for people who get into this, you have to realize that you have to have the right reasons why to do it. If you really want to do lashes and that's your passion, don't hire anyone, really. Because if you're going to hire someone... Your job is no longer just to be doing lashes. Your job is going to be managing people. Mm-hmm. And managing people is a completely different skill set. They have nothing related to each other as far as doing lashes and managing people. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a book called The E-Myth. That's a really good book. I advise you really should buy that book and read it, especially if you're a single practitioner and you're thinking about working on and hiring. This book might make you rethink some things because his whole idea is that there's this entrepreneur myth that just because you're great at some skill, let's say a baker or you're a mechanic or a lash stylist, and you're really great at that, that means you're also going to be a great business owner. Not therefore, true. right? Yeah, therefore, I'll be a great business owner. Those two things do not even line up. Yeah. There's a reason why people go and get their MBAs, you know, in, in college, because they need to learn how to manage people. There are very smart people who don't just graduate from high school and go work in a business and manage people. No, they go to college, they take classes, they get their MBA, and then they go and they get those management positions. So there's a reason for that, because it's a really 
difficult skill. We've had to learn through the school of hard knocks. We've just messed up every way you could in managing people. And Christina could very much attest to that. She's been part of that experiment. And we're even now in new growing pains that we're working through, learning how to manage managers. Mm -hmm. And that's another whole level that we weren't really ready for. And we've been working with Christina because Christina is now a manager in our salon. And I can't treat her just like every other employee now because she's actually now responsible for things. Mm -hmm. And she's need to oversee things and make sure that certain things happen. And I need to learn to let go you know, as the owner. Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, I can't be reining her back in. That's not fair to her. And it just makes her feel like, well, I'm just like a monkey now. I'm just running around doing whatever he wants. I'm not really being creative and doing all those things. So there's new levels for us to learn even today as we kind of this new level in our company. But back in the day, I think for us, if we had really thought about it, I don't know if we would have. Because I know for Tustin, this is I don't think it's a shock to anyone. Tusty doesn't really like managing. I would say that no, it's not your it's... favorite thing. I think you love the business and you love lashes and you love training. You love other things in the business, but specifically managing people isn't something that she is wakes up to every day going, I can't wait to get in there and lead that meeting or inspire this or do that. That's not, you know, see, I'm a firm believer that you can grow in your skills. Mm -hmm. So I know that it's kind of a weakness of mine. However, I can grow. Yeah. But it's truth. It's not one of the strengths of my character. I wouldn't consider myself like a great leader. I have great ideas and things how I do with lashes. But in terms of people, one of the things I know about myself that it, I don't like conflict. I know you have to. You have to deal with conflict. doesn't mean that I don't deal with it. But it's one of those things that it's just I have to struggle to stay engaged in those arenas. And so because it's not necessarily strength, I don't want to double down on a weakness. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't mean that I completely avoid it. I still have to engage with yeah. those areas, but I don't want anybody to depend on that part of me for the, because it's something that I'm weak at. So I'm definitely like we've talked about future growth and being like a CEO. I'm actually not a CEO kind of person. I mean, I'm more of a lash nerd. Lash nerd. <laughs> yeah. like our, we I have like chief operating lash officer or something like that. I mean, Tustin is a visionary and mm -hmm. she has a lot of amazing ideas and sees the world differently. And then because of that, I think our company has a secret weapon that will always keep us on the cutting edge of things. But as far as day-to-day -day operations... The day-to-day -day is not my strength. No. No. I, I actually defer that on, intentionally and that's, for everybody else to yeah. say. <laughs> <laughs> Which was a hard thing to understand when I was the first person here and was like, wait, what's happening? Yeah. And then yeah. to realize like, oh, well, testing isn't like that. And yeah. we had to work through that. And it's hard because yeah. when everyone looks at you, you're the owner. Mm -hmm. I mean, technically, Tustin really is the owner of the business. I'm an employee of mm -hmm. Integrity Lash. So technically, even though I call myself owner, I'm not technically the owner. Tusney is. And I think for the staff, they come on thinking, oh, Tuss is the boss. And then all of a sudden, I come around and I'm like, hey, we're doing this, or I lead a team meeting, or I come in the huddle. Or people will ask me, oh, uh, can I stay late, or do I need to check in? And my answer is always check with Paul. Yeah. Don't ask me, because <laughs> number one, I'm going to forget the minute you walk away. <laughs> yeah. And, and, or, yeah, working with the front desk or, on the Or my answer is usually yes. If you ask me anything, my answer is almost always yes. Yeah. By the way, if you ask her something three times, <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> you get to yes. So ask for your raise three times. It's and kind it's of a, a it's yes. a joke. You know, Austin Powers, remember Will Ferrell's character, he played the guy with the fez and his secret thing was all you had to do was ask him three times and he'd say, no, I will never tell you. I, I swear on my family's grave, I will never tell you. And you just had to yeah, three that, times that, that person is he's me. down and Tush would be yeah. the same thing. Mm -hmm. So another thing I was looking at, I, there's an article in Lash Inc. that's coming out that I wrote and then I think it's the next issue that actually deals a lot of this topic. And it basically says five questions you need to ask yourself before you hire your first employee. Mm -hmm. And 
Last Ink's great. If you haven't read it, you can get, I think, a free copy if you just do digitally, or you can buy an actual paper copy, and it's cheap. Mm-hmm. Um, there's another magazine, Eyelash Magazine, too. So if you don't know those magazines yet, you should look for them online. You should read them. A lot of good the, information. There's good information in there. And one of the things testing has actually hit on two of the points that I already said. One of the questions you need to ask yourself, are you okay with conflict? If you hate conflict, I mean, like to the passion to where you don't want to go into work because you know you have to talk to someone about something negative or maybe to correct them or you know lift them up and say, you know what, we love your enthusiasm, but you're off the mark. You know, it's, maybe this isn't for you. Like if you don't like to talk to people directly, if you'd rather put it on a memo and put it on the door or text yeah. somebody, that's not the best way to do it. I mean, that's things that I was more comfortable with, but that's really not the way to lead. Do we do memos, Chris? So you did when I started. Yeah, exactly. You sure did. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It was horrible. So I didn't know what I was walking into, guys. Yeah. And, I mean, there would be memos on the wall, and it'd be like, don't leave dishes in the sink or Managed whatever it was. Sign yeah. this. And people would just sign it and yeah. walk out. I'm, and right. You guys have come a long way. Yeah. I literally, if, if there's anything you get from this, if you're looking to run and have employees... Don't ever do memos. Memos are worthless. And like Christina said, literally people will just sign it and walk on. They won't even bother to read it. It's a joke. And I've heard other people at times saying, well, I'll just post a memo up on this issue. That's a sign that you're afraid of conflict. You'd rather deal with the issues through a memo or maybe an email or a text. Those things don't communicate. First, they don't tell you care. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I came to Christina and all she ever got from me were texts, memos, and emails, and I would well, walk by her, you wouldn't think I'd care about you. But also in a text, there's so much miscommunication. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of things actually started and ended at my beginning, early years with you guys from other girls with texts and, mm-hmm. you know, like, what are they trying to say? And, you know, yeah. so... Uh, so much can get lost. Yeah. And yeah. you can't see facial expressions. Body ex- and- yeah, body... There's no emotion. Yeah, exactly. But just back to the point, like the better I get at lashes, that's one of the huge reasons for me going to integrity, seeking somebody out was the training and the extra help and somebody to bounce ideas off. But then people, as I got better, would be like, you're good at this. Why don't you go on your own? And I was like, oh, I don't think I want to. But for me, it was a choice that, you know, I had at the time two little boys in school and it was just the stability that being an employee provided. Mm -hmm. That's why I stayed. Like, even though you think you're good enough to leave and do your own thing, you know, there's other reasons and you have to weigh those options out and really say, what's the best for you? You know, like I saw the struggle with you guys and the people that you would hire and the constant battle. And even when things started to seem like it was smooth sailing, there was something that would just rock the boat. And then there we were again, scrambling. Is there anything, can you share an example of something like that, that happened from your archives of memory? (laughs) I mean, I won't get into real specifics because, but I don't know. How about this? There's great support in being with a group. And so if I am sick, we have the time off and we have sick pay. And, you know, I don't have to feel bad because I'm calling in sick. I know that I'm working towards something and all of these girls can cover whatever it is I'm doing. Or, you know, there's just a support system that there wouldn't be otherwise. And I think even when things did hit the fan, the people who weren't trying to rock the boat would still come together and try to make it out of that disaster, whatever it was. Like if somebody was sick or someone had to go home to take care of their child or right. that kind of thing, right. that there was a framework for you to be able to right. survive. Just kind of, you know, go to the next thing, but leaving the nest, you know, making that decision for people who are out there, like an only operator, you're managing, you're doing all these things for yourself. You're ordering. I ordered and I booked my appointments and now I have like a front desk as like my warrior that my, they, you know, they keep the people out and I just come to work. I do my lashes. I go home. They serve you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's a group environment. We're all responsible for each other. 
That's you know, right. and when you see somebody starting to drown, you grab them and you pick them back up. And, mm-hmm. it, you know, so it's a different thing altogether. But it's just you have to be able to decipher for yourself what's best for you and what are you willing to do in any of the situations, I guess. Yeah. I guess I'd like to share some of the qualities and the things that I liked about working for myself mm-hmm. when I was doing it. You know how, like, with children, you want to empower them. You know, they come to you with a problem and you want to empower them to figure it out for themselves. I, I guess I got that same kind of sense as being my own boss, quote unquote, to say, you know, or lash boss. The part that was intoxicating about it, I guess, was that I was the master of my own destiny. You mean when you were by yourself? Yes, yeah. by myself. It felt like an accomplishment to say, you know, I have my own business. Yeah. I can set my own hours. I can be responsible enough to figure out what my needs are and make sure I get them done, make lists to make sure that I'm taking care of my clients. And there's something primally attractive about that, empowering. It's like Mm -hmm. when you learn to do something for yourself. I used to think that I was really bad at math, and it's true that I am. But um, I was didn't do well math in high school. But when I, I went to college, I decided that I was going to put everything into learning it as much as I could. And I found that when I did study hard and gave some sacrifice there, I did begin to understand it. So it's the same kind of thing. Feeling empowered to say, this is my business. The buck stops with me. And that's a great feeling. So, so parts of it were exciting, like thinking, okay, I get to choose when I get to work. Mm-hmm. I get to choose what kind of product I want. And all that stuff is really fun. It's almost like designing your little studio, deciding what kind of marketing you want to do. What do you want to represent? And a lot of people find that fun. It's a fun project. The part that started getting hard was realizing if I didn't look at something, take formalize a system for something, for example, cleaning. When you first open your place, it is spick and span because you just moved in there, you made it clean, everything's brand new. But what you don't realize is that over time, oh my gosh, it actually, there's dust, it gets in the corner. <laughs> the, the stuff, the baseboard needs to be wiped. You have to change the sheets after each time it gets dirty. You know, lint gets on the, stuff happens. And when you're by yourself, you can pretty much take care of most of the things by yourself. You can make it happen. But the more responsibility that you have, the bigger, the more square feet that you have, the more you have to clean, the more you have to plan for. And what I found was that if I didn't make systems to make sure that things didn't fall through the cracks, so things would fall through the cracks. Mm -hmm. And so my lists kept getting more and more. And all the things that were necessary to do the business became a stranglehold on me. That's what choked out everything else. Looking back, you were overwhelmed to be by yourself. So you thought it was a good idea to get somebody else to help? Yeah. And then you got more overwhelmed because yeah, yeah. you got yeah, somebody yeah, else yeah, to yeah, help. Because yeah. we yeah. thought managing was the easy yeah. part. No, no. Yeah. What I want to inject real quick is in our industry, uh, it's very common. Almost everything you read, everything you hear in training is about equipping you to go start your own business. I have not yet seen any articles where they say, it'd be great to go work in a salon or it'd be great to work with a team or to get mentored or get maybe a little bit of mentoring. I've seen some people say, hey, it'd be good to have someone that you can learn from, but right. not work under. Like you just find someone already doing it and say, hey, can you be my mentor and why start my business and I can refer to you. And I don't know if that's really a smart way to go. I know that when Gladlash came out of that survey like a year, year and a half ago, they said that like, I think 70, 80% of all people work for themselves. So that's by far the large majority of people are working on their own. I don't think you'll find that as same as true if you were to go into, let's say, skincare or hair. I know there are more people moving in the salon suites than ever, 
And I know that there's talks about the traditional salon is dead. I mean, I think there's a lot of people that would take issue with that who are, you know, really smart people in our industry. That is still a trend. You see that happening. But what you don't see is an encouragement in our industry to do a lot what hair is. It's like you get done with school and then you go work as an assistant or an apprentice and you learn underneath the tutelage of a great artist, someone, a master, someone you can really grow for underneath. And you go find that best hair salon and you learn. And same thing with skincare. You're not going to go open up your own skincare place until you've actually learned a thing or two working underneath someone who's been down this road, has seen these conditions, seen this type of skin problems that help teach you to learn with all that. Because you don't learn that in school. And even ours even more. I mean, you go the lash world, you don't learn anything. You go to beauty school and you leave beauty school and just tell you, by the way, you can do lashes, but you have to go learn that on your own. Mm-hmm. There's no real formal training. I mean, there's some schools adding it in, but it's not really important because the state board, and at least in California, doesn't require you to know a thing about lashes to pass. So none of the schools are incentivized. You have to go learn on your own, and most people learn in a day or two or maybe a few days, whatever the classes are, and then they have to practice on their own. Then they open their own place. And I think it would be really smart to look for the salons in your area that are really good, that you hear good things about. You see their work. You hear about the, hopefully the good culture that they have in their salon and be smart to go work there go there for a year or two three years whatever it is that it takes to help you get established so that you're not learning and practicing really on people i mean you're gonna be learning there but you always have someone senior there to fall back on to help you deal with all those issues and struggles i kind of think though part of that problem is that it's such a new industry there aren't that many if you're in a small i mean we had like somebody respond and be like i'm just in the middle of nowhere doing these lashes you know there's nobody to help them yeah if they don't have a try how yeah in that case that person is going to have to really be a lot more active and seeking out mm-hmm. the kind of support yeah and getting and watching videos and going online listen to our podcast hopefully and other such things and they will get better educated and yeah. go to you know meetups or go to yeah. the hollywood last conference which is you know mm-hmm. coming up here in los angeles or going to some of these other get-togethers i know jill has one down in arizona that just happened right. like a month or two ago so there's these opportunities to meet with other people and exchange ideas and learn from each other and so lashpreneur lashpreneur well then, yeah which you can get lots of information and feedback from so yeah and there's flash 411 does a lot of good stuff too so so there's stuff out there. So you just have to be a little bit more, I guess, you know, mindful about that. But that said, if you aren't in that situation, and a lot of people aren't, a lot of people live in metropolitan areas where there are salons, I really think it'd be smart for you if you're getting into lashes to start out learning underneath someone else. Yeah. You're going to learn quicker and avoid more pitfalls and grow as a person professionally and business-wise and avoid a lot of problems that you would have not gotten yourself into if you ran your own place right away. One of the best qualities that I can encourage people to have is humility, especially when it comes to your own limits, because that's where you're going to grow the most. That's where you need the most growth is where you're weak in. Mm -hmm. If you are training yourself to be in a place to say, what can I do better? You know, to be able to look at a picture of yourself as you're working and say, can I do better professionally? Can I work on my appearance a little bit better? Is there something that I could do with my work? Is there somebody that I can talk to to make it? If you embrace any situation with the sense that I've got all the answers, you may very well have the answers. But if you don't allow yourself to say there's a possibility of growth for me, you cut yourself off from that opportunity. Pride is like blinders that does you a disservice, doesn't allow you to change. So one of the things that you can arm yourself and clothe yourself with is humility to say to yourself, I don't have all the answers. I feel empowered. 
And that's a reason why you should go. I think a lot of times when you're new, starting out, you should go work somewhere. Mm-hmm. Be humble. Mm-hmm. I know there's something about this entrepreneur trophy now or myth that's out there, this whole idea that everyone should be their own boss. Everyone should be an entrepreneur. It's not true. Not everyone should be their own boss. Not everyone should be an entrepreneur. Because they require certain skills that not all people have. But if you want to be a good lash stylist, everyone should go learn and work underneath someone, at least initially, to find out if this is right for them. So that would be another thing. That way you don't spend all this money building a place and you find out you hate it. But you go in another salon, work for a while, see if you love it, learn from some people who know what they're doing, hopefully. And then you can start playing with that idea that, okay, I've done this, I'm ready to go and start my own thing. Or... Hopefully, I mean, in our case, maybe we'll talk about this in a second, is if you can find a salon that's really doing amazing work, maybe there's some good reasons to stay. I actually think, though, it's important to also say that when you are an owner and you have one or two people working for you, you can also still be sharpened. Like mm-hmm. That yeah, actually gives ways. you that sharpening because you're like, I don't really know the answer or mm-hmm. I don't. There's been times where we're like, oh, and you know, and we're both looking at each other, going, oh, yeah. right, you know. Just because you're the boss doesn't mean you right. don't. You have to know everything. I think being the boss means that you have to make sometimes the final decision, but you should listen to your people that you work with because they might have the best answer for you. I mean, a good example was we were working on an issue today. Chris and I were talking about something about where we're looking, and Dusty and I were totally blind to it. I'm not going to go into what it was, but it was like we didn't see it, and Chris, it was, it, so, it was obvious. so obvious. Obvious that I'm embarrassed that we didn't see it because when Chris finally did see it, it was like, oh, okay, I yeah. did. I and so, seen and that. We, it's because we're so close to it. You can't yeah. see the forest through the yeah. trees for the forest. <laughs> you can't see whatever that saying is. Yeah, forest yeah. trees for the forest. Well, yes. but also though, I mean, like to take it way back and specifically to lashes. When I started with Tess, it was everything needs to be very small and no CCs. <laughs> Oh, really? I don't remember <laughs> that, that one. That was when I first started with Tessany. Wow. And I was like, oh, I don't know, Tess. And she's like, no, 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 it has to be very small. And we only do C's. Okay, well. Like, and then, you know, we worked it through. And yeah. things are different. But I think it's like you have seasons and then mm-hmm. people come and, and it's not like, but, you know, you question that. And then you grow from that. Yeah, yeah. So no, I absolutely. Think it works both ways. I mean, I read an article and it was in the PBA article. And I think there was another one in another salon magazine where two people worked for themselves. They were trying to explain, like, they both worked in the salons, and then they went and worked for themselves, and then they both went back to working in the salons, actually. Mm-hmm. And they shared why. It was, and was one of the cool. biggest reasons why they mm-hmm. went back is they said, well, when I was working by myself, at first it was all, like, glorious, amazing. And then yeah. I think the first you thing You wear whatever said, you want. You yeah. work whenever you want. And the thing that first thing that said to them was what Christina said, eventually they felt lonely. Even though they were in one of these sola salons, whatever, where they have people all around them, but they're not really their teammates. They're just people in the hallway. You say hi to them. They're competitors. But they're, and they are competitors, technically. You're a hairstylist. You have people walking by you every day. There are their salons to come to yours. And if there's a day where you're not there, you come late or something happens, guess what? Maybe let's wander into another one of those salons. But that's a side note. But the thing that she said that was most intriguing for me is that, especially the PBA article, she said, my work quality, which I used to be proud. I thought I was the best stylist in my salon. I became embarrassed of my work. And it was like these slow compromises because I started thinking, well, no one cares. No one notices. My, no one's going to say anything. No one's going to no say one anything. Know, There's no accountability. Yeah. There's no one there to sharpen you. And you don't realize after she's after a year, she started looking at her work and she could barely yeah, recognize, recognize it. it. And she also began to hate doing the work yes. because her work had gotten so bad. She was like, 
I don't even like being a stylist anymore. This is not fun. I take no pleasure in the very thing that I trained all my life to be. This was the best part of it because she had the courage to be incredibly honest. Mm. The other thing that she said that I liked was that she said that, you know, her own personal sanitation standards went down because, you know, if she forgot to do the laundry, bring it home, she would just pull one out of the laundry, kind of wipe it off. But she was, you know, doing this kind of thing on a regular basis. And even in terms of sanitation, realizing that she was really honest with herself, she was not giving her clients the best service, but there was nobody else over her spurring her on or, you know, and so because of those small compromises over and over, she took a look at herself and realized this is not where she wanted to be professionally. Yeah, and I think that's one of the reasons why working a team is great because you do hold each other accountable. It doesn't have to always be an employee-employer. Maybe you get three friends who want to do lashes together, and you're just going to be there to work and be a threesome, you know, Mm -hmm. and that's fine. Then you're there to at least you have someone you know that's going to see your work once in a while who may be like, what have you been doing? It seems like you're kind of, why are you doing 25s all of a sudden, you know, and they're like, well, I'm just trying to cut corners because I was, you know, running late or I overslept or whatever. It's like, but now you're going to be, you know, make sure there's someone watching and looking at your work and you're going to try a little harder. I know on our team, that's very much a positive thing. I know that I've had team members tell me that I'm always doing this. As I know Christina is going to look at my work and I want them to be really impressed with me or Erica is going to look at my work. So there's just a desire to kind of show off a little bit and say, I'm really doing some great stuff. And that really builds positive momentum. There's a sense that people are going to be looking at the work. I remember in class, we were teaching at ICE, and I was explaining it's really important to do it this way, to do the bonds this way, even though no one else can tell, the client won't be able to tell, God knows. Because <laughs> you always think about who's watching your work, who's looking over your shoulder, who's going to see it. I want this to be seen. If somebody's looking at my work through a slit lamp or a microscope, I want them to be impressed with the bonds that they see. I don't want them to see something that looks like a nightmare. When I first joined with you, and I didn't know the quality of everybody else's work, because right, I hadn't been around yet and yeah. hadn't seen, and I was like, oh my God, I was so nervous to send something out, mm-hmm. only mediocre, which was my best work at the time. Like I was only mediocre, and that was so nerve-wracking to have somebody else look at it and be like... Mm-hmm. What does she think? You know, so that was a hard... But you're so competitive. It was like a sharpening thing. If something, you know, that's like it contributed to good things in your character because Mm -hmm. you're always like, I could do the best I can. I got to do, you know, and it's like it was an impetus for you to, you know, be sharpened. Mm -hmm. And as owners, I think for us, a, a thing to share, I'd like to say is... If you do want to hire people and bring people on, you need to create a workplace that employees want to stay. Mm -hmm. It's very expensive for a company to have to replace their employees every year. By far, the majority of salons I follow, you look year to year, it's almost 100% new staff. It's very rare that you'll find a salon that has people past a year, definitely not past two years. Three years is unheard of. And that's because I think really if you're an owner, it's usually they leave because you're not that good. And I know it's because Tess and I would say we have oh, lost yeah. a lot of people because we either overpromise or didn't follow through on things we said or we hired the wrong people. Actually, a lot of it is just we hired the wrong people because, and that's not their fault. Mm-mm. They just applied for the job, went through the process, got interviewed, and we should have been more attuned and really realized, you know what, I don't think you're really the right fit, but we made compromises in ourselves and what we were looking for. Because we just needed bodies because we were so busy. So we just hired someone, brought them in, and then later went, oh, gosh, I don't think this person really is going to be happy here. Yeah. That's on me. That's not them. That's not their fault for doing that. And so even the people in the past who haven't worked out the company, I blame myself for that. 
Actually, I'm glad you mentioned this. When the question is, you know, what's one of the good things about working for a team? What's one of the good things about working for yourself? One of the things, it's not a hard lesson, but it's a pretty profound one as an employer being the boss. Hard things for me to uh, learn is that you cannot assume anything with staff. And everything that you expect the staff to do must be modeled. It must be completely laid out. If there's a failure on the part, the first thing is you you must not say you have failed. What did you do? Why did you do that? The first thing to do is ask a question. What made you do that? Or what contributed what was to that? Yeah. Behind that? And yeah. then you have to think, did I fail in not being specific about what I was saying, you have to give people the benefit of the doubt. And that was a hard thing for me to learn at first because I would think they're not doing it because either they don't want to or personally I'd get mad. And it was really a shortcoming on my fault. That was a hard lesson to learn, but it's the key component to leadership is that really the buck stops with you and your ability to communicate your expectations and to be able to model those things to your staff. You can't expect people to be able to read your mind. Yeah. If you're going to run a salon, you cannot just say, do as I say, not as I do. Or and read this memo and you have all the information you we, need. I mean, we just had a moment with a team. Uh, we had a little team meeting last week and we were talking about kind of raising the bar in the company mm-hmm. and, and providing better customer service and, oh. and not letting little things fall through the cracks. So it's so easy in life to let little things over time because we get just worn out. The repetitiveness of something. Can gets you give me you. an example of what you said? Well, being on time. Yeah. And one of the things I want to talk about, because I looked at that, we keep track of everything. And I had noticed the team in last month that's like tripled, our lateness tripled mm-hmm. in one month, just went through the roof. And I said, but there's a reason why everyone's late. And the reason why everyone's late is because Tussie and I are late, like yeah. every day. And I told Tuss, I said, before this meeting, you know, I want to, you know, throw down the gauntlet, but, you know, it starts with you and me. Like, this is for you and me. From this point on, we will never be late because we are. We're hypocrites and there's no trust. We trade in trust with all our relationships. It's about trust. And if they can't trust us anymore, it's over. Yep. This will be the first domino of many new dominoes that will fall and eventually they'll just move on because we're not trustworthy. We get on them for all the stuff and then we go live a different way. And you can't Mm -hmm. be that when you're going to be an employer, if you're going to have people working with you or for you, you got to think about that. There's one of our favorite sayings. It's whatever you permit, you promote. Yeah. And that's kind of the same thing. We kind of modeled being late and lo and behold, tardiness increased. Why? Because we were modeling it. So... So yeah, uh, we've actually, we actually thought it. about putting a chart on like days yep. Paul and Tuss have been on time and see how far we can get that number up yeah, to one day. Hopefully it'd be like a thousand. Mm-hmm. Um, Chris doesn't believe that will probably happen. But. Oh, come on. <laughs> we work for it. You we'll hear work. the crickets over here? Yeah. Just... Yeah. Like, <laughs> see, that's how bad it's been. It's really, the whole team is going to be like, mm, we'll see it when we believe, which is right. I, I think that we have not earned the right to be trusted in that area and we're going to grow. That's the good news. So anyhow, we've covered a lot of different things, everything from the benefits, some of the good things about working for yourself, some of the good things of working in a team. I also think we also talked about, if you're thinking about hiring, some of the good things about hiring and working.
working and getting people to work for you. There's a whole lot more. I really, I'm, we're going to stop here, but I feel like we literally could go on for another hour on this topic. So we may come back to it. And, and also remind people detail. that they can read that article from Lashink. Lashink, yeah. If you're thinking about hiring, these are the five questions you need to ask yourself uh, whether or not you should hire your first employee. So you look for it. It's coming is? up. It's the next issue. So this is recording this in April. I believe it's May or June, okay. whatever that date is. So it'll be in the next month or two. And I hope it's helpful. Um, it, I think it'll give you some at least good ideas to start with. And you can always ask us. I mean, I've talked to people um, who've asked me, like, I'm thinking about doing this or that. And we've had former employees who left and thought about doing it. I know that we have employees now probably who one day are thinking about mm-hmm. doing it. And I think for us as employers, we hope that we can create such a workplace that they would receive the same opportunities and to pursue their dreams and both personally and professionally in the salon as they would on their own. I do know this, that everything's always greener on the other side mm-hmm. of the fence. It's easy when you're working in a salon to think it's better to work for yourself. And it's also, I think, easy when you're working for yourself and you're going through the struggles, day-to-day stuff. You're like, well, maybe it would just be better to be working on a team. Each one, I think, the takeaway, hopefully for you if you're listening to this, is to think how you're wired. Yeah. If you're really kind of these people that loves work by themselves and you've been that way all your life, you, you were kind of the, the one in school who would love to work on projects and have no one on your team or whatever. Well, you might see I'm that too though. <laughs> you know, if that's you, maybe you're meant for yourself, but if you're also someone who just thrives on relationships and being around people, yeah. then, you know, maybe that's a better place for you. If the place is good, the truth is this, because last salons are so new, I think so many of them, like we've been at times, are really broken. They don't understand how to run a salon, and they're just kind of figuring it out. I know in the years to come, more and more people are going to kind of figure that out and run better salons. And hopefully as that bar gets raised up, there'll be more places for people to land and grow in their careers and stay maybe three, five, six, ten years, whatever it is, that time frame that is good for them. But it's not like one's better than the mm-hmm. other. They're both, I think, very viable. They're both great options for you. Mm-hmm. It just literally depends on your own DNA and what your future plans are. Because I know for Chris, Lovett was she had kids in school right. and needed that stability, needed those hours. Mm-hmm. We have other teams currently now that's mm-hmm. the same way. If I didn't have you to do it, I probably should not. I think you would have I would have been back. better I to work would, for yeah. myself. Yeah. yeah, just work by yourself or... Actually, yeah, because I think when you worked in some of the spa settings you had, there were problems there too. Yeah. That was very difficult yeah. working because, again, some of these places weren't terribly healthy mm-hmm. in the culture and the dynamics. So it turned out you liked working by yourself because that's mm-hmm. just even for a solitary person who loved and didn't have any problems with that. Mm-hmm. So, anyhow, that all said, I think there's more to go. And I'm thinking we may still cover, bring this up at some other future podcasts. If you have any questions, uh, that will help us to dig in deeper next time. So, if you want to get back to us and shoot us some questions on this specific specific topic in case we didn't go over everything maybe you have some other areas that you're wondering about please do or you can always obviously come on our social media and ask us one other thing i wanted to do i was actually very excited about this recently i was online looking at our podcast and listening to ourselves like the one millionth time just because you know i think i'm vain but that said, I actually found out there's someone else doing a Lash podcast. We're not the only ones anymore. There's mm-hmm. actually someone else. Her name is Shelby Tarleton. I actually never asked her for the exact pronunciation. It's right there. Tarleton? Tarleton? Yeah. So like Carlton maybe, but with a T. It looks like it. Anyhow, her name's Shelby Tarleton. It's with the name of the podcast 
is Lash Boss Radio. We've just emailed back and forth. Really nice gal. And uh, she owns two salons called Pink Lady Lash. And she basically started doing this recently, just about a month or two ago. She's got three or four episodes on. She's doing a little different approach. She's just interviewing Lash Bosses, thus the name Lash Boss Radio. So she's interviewing different people in the industry, asking them how they get their careers going, what they love about the industry, what's their favorite products, what's their favorite It's like a get-to-know-you. Yeah, it's a little bit get-to-know-you. I'm sure as time goes, she'll evolve just like our podcast. I know it's going to change and evolve over time. We plan to do some interviews. I don't think that's going to be our main focus, but we will have some. But she's doing that right now. Really interesting stuff. I really want to give a shout-out. So don't just listen to us. Hopefully you can uh, look her up on iTunes. I know she's on Google Play and I think a couple other podcasts – um, platform. So look for her. That's Lash Boss Radio. So let's all wrap this up. We'd love to continue this discussion online via social media. Please follow us on Instagram at Integrity Lash, where you can see what our Lash Salon is up to. You can also follow our professional account, Integrity Lash Bootcamp. This Instagram account is focused on sharing tips and insights on the lash industry and how we run our lash salon. This is where we will post information from our podcast, too. We're actually, by as a side note, we're thinking about starting LashCast also as a secondary option. But you know, when we get there, I'll let you know. Lastly, we'd love to hear from you, and we've set up a Twitter account for that. Please follow us at Integrity Lash. You can submit questions and suggestions for future podcasts there, as well as you can go, obviously, on the Instagram and post questions there. In fact, so far, we've gotten all our questions have been from Instagram. I also want to ask you to please rate and review our podcast and recommend our podcast to your friends and colleagues. We're doing this podcast because we truly love our industry, and we want to see it to continue to grow. On behalf of our engineer, Nick Coffey, my Lash experts Christina and Tessany. I want to thank you for taking some time out of your day to listen. Keep on lashing and remember you have a friend in the lash industry. Mm-hmm.